Thursday, July 12, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we will be visited by Lady Joe Carson of Ferifaria, who has just returned from, from a pilgrimage to our favorite lost city, Nan Madol, on beautiful Ponape Island in Pacific Micronesia. That's Merritt's Moon Pool and our Beyond the Maria. Joe and John will share their adventure with us. And we will recall ours back in 1988 and recount the wisdom of the last Shumero, that's a Ponapean kahuna, Maceo Hadley, as reported by Peter Arthur. So if you want to vicariously visit Lemuria, then tune in and tune on your, turn on your imaginator and join with us. Uh, Lady Joe, are you on board? I am indeed, and John is here with me. Hello, Pope. Oh, hello, John, and 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 and, and Lady Joe. And now, uh, um, you know, I think that uh, we 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 said uh, you know beautiful Bonapay Island in in uh, in uh, Pacific Micronesia, which is a country, and you know it's it's uh, uh, this is a country, and 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 uh, but it, it's very very much. Uh, affiliated with the United States because, of course, they use American money, American Postal Service, and uh, and uh, the, 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 so it feels it, in a lot of ways it feels like it feels like home. So you folks went out there and just got back, and uh, uh, so uh, Lady Joe, tell us about your adventures on Ponape. Um It was an amazingly beautiful place. It gets the second most amount of rain of any place on this planet. So. It's incredibly green, and um, there are, like, flowers and scents everywhere. Um, the water is very clear and very blue, and um, just it's an astonishingly just magnificent place to look at. Um, that said, it's, it's arduous to get there. Um, you have to go to Hawaii and then stop at three other islands uh, before your plane is going to land there, and that is one plane that goes there three times a week, and that, that's, those are your only choices. That's the only way to get there is one airline that takes one plane there three times a week. So, um, yeah, that's the old, China, it's the old China Clipper. By the way, well, let's mention this. This is the old China Clipper route. And and uh, you know they used to hop to the old China Clipper, the old flying boat used to before World War II. They used to hop across hop across the Pacific from uh, from uh, Los Angeles to Hawaii to uh, you know to Wake Island to Midway and then on and on and on and on over to China. And this is the same route. Yeah, I just right. want to mention that. Okay. Yep. Right. And so it's located basically way out there, sort of midway between Hawaii and uh, Australia and Japan. It's just way out there. There's a lot of islands, I think, what, thousands of, um, of little islands? Oh, certainly hundreds. It depends on what you count as an island. It's right. Certainly hundreds. Yeah. But so the, it, it, the thing is, you get there, and it's extremely hot. You're, you're hit by this wave of heat and humidity when you get off the plane. And you've kind of gotten a little acclimatized by the other islands. Um, uh, but you get used to it, and it becomes relaxing at a certain point. Um, we had our goal um, on this trip that we were going to go to Nanmadal. This was the place that you, Pope, had described so many times, um, you know, from your trips and the adventures, the amazing adventures you had there. Um, and, and that inspired us. Um, we have our hinge here, and we wanted to set up a ray of relationship between our hinge and what we thought would be, you know, this incredibly sacred place, the ancient city of Nanmadal, which is a megalithic city meaning uh, made out of huge rocks that um, weigh, my understanding is 
some of the bigger ones weigh seven or even more than seven tons. Um, so they're amazingly large and six-sided basalt columns stacked up into buildings that were created in sort of a log cabin format of architecture. Um, and there's almost 100 buildings in this one area on the east side of the island, um, which we, we had to go to by land because you couldn't, the, the tides were too low to get a boat in this when yeah. we went there. Ordinarily, these buildings, uh, they're, they're islands, really, because it, it's called the Venice Pacific in some circles because basically these are, are all um, coral underneath and then basalt on top. And uh, you get from, they're all surrounded by water. You get from them by boat and low tide and boats didn't really work when we were there. Uh, we waded through canals. Right, about knee deep approximately uh, in general or sometimes a little deeper than that, um, which is why we couldn't really get a boat in there at that time. Um, but it was, uh, you know, you were taking these trails through the jungle and all the flowers and whatnot. The trails are clearly marked. You pay a fee to the local landowners when you get there, and there's several different fees you pay along the way. Uh, typical on the island there that basically everything is owned by somebody, and um, so if you want to see any sacred places, you, you do pay a fee. Um, it's not a large sum. I think it was yes. $3 and then another $2 and then maybe another $3 at some point. Um, and then um, you're very welcome to explore around, which we did. And our goal was to get to this central spot um, within Non-Madal. All these buildings had purposes. And um, I should mention, by the way, that this is an ancient uh, city. The coral reef to establish these islands that Non-Madal rests on were built starting around the 7th or 8th century um, AD. And then the Non-Madal as, as such, you know, as a as a ruling city, was constructed, I believe, around um, 1100, um, and it was in in operation for um, five, about 600 years, and then it was abandoned. Um, and there's a story behind that. Yeah, I'd say. Um, <laughs> yeah, a big story. And, uh, there's a big story behind it. And I, I should also mention that about 200 feet underwater, uh, there's another um, city mud built much in the same way. But it was built 10,000 years ago. This is during the last ice age, so sea level was a couple hundred feet lower. And um, some say that the current Nanmadal that we visit um, was built kind of as a, a gesture to this other thing, and it doesn't fit a lot of archaeological theory. So a lot of uh, I think Pope's going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll leave that. I'll leave that to you, Pope. But. But, uh, well, that, 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 that's Masao, Masao Hadley, who was the last Chimero. Uh, uh, Chimero, as I said, is, a, is the Pompeian word for a kahuna. He's the last of the old, uh, the old uh, Chimeros, and, and, and he, he said that the, uh, the brother, after one of the brothers died, that the other brother, Olusiva, uh, went up to the top of a, of a mountain and looked down and saw the staircase. He said the water was so clear, and he looked down from the top of the mountain and saw the staircase leading down uh, down in, 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 into the water, and, and that, that led to Kanamuiso, which was the, the city of the gods, the underwater city. And, and, uh, wow. and it was estimated to be 
Uh, it's estimated to be, you know, if it's there and and and, and we all we think it is, then it's it's at least ten ten thousand years old. You know, it's 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 one of the old ice age cities. So I'll get to that later. You know, I've got uh, Peter yeah. Arthur's account of Maceo. So we'll we'll get to that later. Go ahead. So so we can go back to this island. I guess um, you you Joe were talking about our our objective. Objective. Right. And. We wanted to link our hinge here in Fairfax, uh, California, to that magical place there, and and pretty much call in the, the uh, uh, you know establish a ray to, to link the spirits of that place, the spirits here. I mean, we've been reading about it, and and there's there's an ancient um, um, uh, a spiritual practice there of people worshiping trees and rocks, and we thought, oh, well this. Definitely, that's what we do, too. But this was not something that we knew going there. Um, we uh, had really heard primarily from all the media that we'd been able to find online that basically the people are almost all Christian and uh, because the missionaries have been a big presence there. However, um, what we will tell you about as our story unfolds here is that the ancient um, practices of the island are, in fact, alive and well and um, there is, in fact, a very strong tradition um, of the people on the island for rock and tree worship. And there is a sacred feminine um, that it has a place of honor uh, also in Monope. So um, that was something I believe that got fairly well squelched when the kings, called the Sada Lures, uh, came in and take over. And my understanding is that they came from off the island and formed a... Um, sort of a dominator kingship uh, during the time that they were in power, um, they were hated and reviled by the people, and, and for very good reason. Um, it was t- written, we, I actually read in my research that they would um, actually kill and eat fat Hanapean residents. And um, so, you know, that kind of behavior is going to engender hatred among the population. Um, they uh, also, the king would demand that his bath be made out of dew in the morning. And collecting dew is going to be a very arduous task and very, you know, kind of demeaning um, to, you know, the people who have better things to do, I'm sure. And there were um, torture cages that were uh, located on that island. So um, you can understand from this, I think, very easily why the people would start hating these Sadalur rulers. Um, there was an uprising, and they were kicked out, and a new set of rulers um, came in and took over. And I believe there might have been two sets of rulers before the um, Namanwaki system came to be. With, while the Sadalurs and the other king were there, they controlled the whole island by requiring all the chiefs of all the uh, principalities to come and live on Namadal with the king so he could keep his thumb over them. Um, so um, after the whole system was uh, abolished and people went back to having their chiefs within their own local region. So we learned all this in the process of going there, and um, we didn't really know just how bad it was, and we thought this was going to be a wonderful, you know, sacred site. So we got there, and it was awe-inspiring. And I want to mention that I have put up photographs um, on a website if people who are listening would like to have a look at the kind of accompanying photos to the talk, um, you can go to paraferia.org and look on the main page that pops up. Um, kind of lower down on the page in the middle, there's a section called Latest Additions, 
And the top item, if you click on it, will take you right to the photos that go with this talk. Um, so uh, that's good. You go ahead and do that, and you'll see that you know there's nice photos of. Lady Joe, let me. Uh, uh, let me welcome uh, Dr. X, uh, um, Mark Nelson. Uh, on he, he, you know, he, he and, and Marlene and his, and his wife were were out there in, in, eight, in 1898. Uh, not 1898. I mean 1998. Seven hundred years. Uh, yeah, they were out in 98, ten years after we were. And, and so I asked them to call in and kind of wait till, wait till, till you guys are done, and then, then then we can start talking about. Uh, uh, about their their experiences along with ours. Uh, Dr. X, are you there? Are you with us? I'm here. Oh, good. Just Can you hear me? Kind of have, yeah. yeah do, you have, do you have do you have Lady Marlene with you? No, but she'll be here in about ten minutes. Well, okay. Well, maybe that. Uh, so, well, look. Uh, you know, thank, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Lady Joe has has uh, uh, can keep us occupied for that time until Marlene gets here. So, uh, just hang on. Hang on. Stay with us, and and and, and uh, we'll all uh, and we'll all get together after after uh, uh, we we after we get the Ferrifarian adventure. Uh, okay. No problem. Uh, I'm enjoying okay. listening. And just okay. stand by. Uh, uh, okay, Lady Joe, continue. Okay, John had something to say. Oh, oh, uh, I was just going to say. I mean, we so we went to the, the main island that you get to um, from the shore of, of Namadal, which uh, is a uh, Nandawa. Nandawa. Yeah. Okay. And um, and we were intent on making this connection between our engine as a race to this area, and as as that place was, it was very clear that we did not want to connect our ends um, to this particular place. It was like a place of death, basically. It was the biggest and, like, most elaborate area of the whole of all the um, island structures, but it was, and it was the king's retreat, and also it was the vault, the burial vault of the king. Um, yeah, it's a fortress. Yeah, there were burial vaults additional to the kings there. It really felt like a place of death and a place of um, kind of misery. It wasn't um, a happy place. And as you say, I think it was very, very much a fortress. Um, but that's, that's, exactly, that's, exactly the same, that, that, that's, that's exactly the same impression that I got and, 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 uh, and Lady Kaplan got when we were out there uh, and, and, and the sadness. And and right. and when I sat and said and, and when I sat in the vault and both of both of us we sat in the oh the sadness the sadness of the place and of course yeah, one of the reasons for that is what what really what 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 really destroyed the city uh, as far as the people are concerned was that horrible hurricane uh, there the, the, the about in, in this, about 1700 there was a, there was this horrible killer hurricane that came through and and. Uh, and just wiped the city out and drowned the hundreds and hundreds of people. And they never went back. After that well, hurricane, they, they just never went back. And so, the, so the sadness, you can feel it, especially right. in the vault. And especially with, you know, the, the, you know, the practice, you yeah. know, the, the power over type of practices of the culture. Yeah. You, know. Um, you know, we sat with it for a while and then left. And um, we were drawn to travel along uh, – side of it and another adjacent uh, island and we're very much drawn to a particular tree on that island and it was very interesting what we learned later but at, at that time we were drawn to this tree which was and not an overly huge tree there are some very large trees on Pompeii 
but uh, this one was just and it had a uh, small altar built at its base and it was kind of a in a uh, um you know not in a particular you know a power spot or anything like that but it just felt very powerful and very connected we spent a good amount that, of time that, with this tree that, and the altar there and decided to that, connect that's to That's the it. big breadfruit, uh, John. That's the big breadfruit tree is inside Nandoas, aren't you talking about, right? Well, uh, I'm not, no, I don't, not. It's not, not a breadfruit. breadfruit tree. It's not a breadfruit tree. And I've been trying to locate to determine exactly what kind of tree it is. And it might be a tree called an I-K-I-L-K, Ikio. However, I've been unable to find a tree with that name anywhere on the whole internet. So it's like, I think that's a local name for a tree that probably is known to the scientific world by by some other name. Um, It's a lovely tree with sort of, you know, smooth um, oval, large oval leaves. It has a bit of a look like a madrone tree. And for people who um, have the, uh, you know, access to the pictures that are on the Fair Fairy website, you'll see, um, you know, about a third of the way down through the pictures, after you see the pictures of the King's burial vault, you'll see um, the particular tree that we're talking about. Yes, and so we spent some time with this tree, and we, in fact, we we left a, a small rock from our our hand, yeah, um, with a vitala uh, drawn on it there, just because of this powerful feeling that we had. And then later, on looking at a ancient uh, with yeah. a map drawn nineteen twenty eight. Um, on that map, it noted that in recognition of the, peop- the people that were being oppressed by the, the forces of Amadal, um, who worshipped trees and rocks, um, and their spirituality was so strong, they wanted to recognize that, and planted this tree there in that location as an embodiment of their spirituality, and this tree is tended uh, to this day. Um, as a representing that spirituality of the people of Pompeii. And really, you can, I mean, I guess we just we intuitively just found, found this yeah. tree, but to have it verified as a representative <laughs> tree of this original spirituality of the people of Pompeii was very uh, satisfying. Very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's a good way to understand. Now, those of you who can see the pictures, you will notice that there are rocks kind of in a sort of circular, semicircular formation around the tree. And if you look at the second picture of the tree, the roots of it look like a lady's uh, belly and lap. And there are rocks that are specifically there between what appear to be her legs, forming a bit of an altar. And um, so ultimately that is where we place our um, Vitala rock, um, which we had brought with us from our hinge um, all the way from California. So that felt um, like a good connection. You know, that was a connection we felt strongly was positive uh, for our hands to connect to that lady rock and lady lady tree. I mean, um, uh, that's so great. yeah, that yeah. was that was very it, satisfying. So there's a we, little. There's, did you you didn't did you didn't visit the pool of purification? Uh, did you? And that that's on that's on the uh, on the beach. That that that, that, uh, that you know the main uh, the, the beach of the main complex uh, uh, on the uh, uh, orienting ourselves. So, so it, it's on it's on it's on the east side. It's on the east side beach of the main non-medal complex, and it's a pool. And and it's it's if you walk down the beach, 
uh, you, you walk down from that old uh, Japanese uh, landing barge uh, that's resting there, and you, you, you and you start walking walking north toward Joy Island. You know, and then you look to see over to your right, you'll see this beautiful pool. It's it's almost like a movie set. It's this beautiful crystal clear pool, uh, right, right, right there. And then that was called the pool of purification. I oh, kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. Did you did you find it? No, we didn't, but I'm looking at it on the map. We have a really good map of Nonmadal uh, right in front of us, and I see this place you're talking about. Yeah, it's a sting, yeah, we sting, were, stingray uh, sanctuary, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah the, Russell, the archaeologist, wanted me to dive in that pool. I, I didn't have enough equipment to do it. And he, and he, he thought... And they say that there's a there's an underwater passage that leads from the pool of purification all the way up into the middle of the island. That's that's oh. what they say. But but I never I, I I didn't have the equipment, so I couldn't check it out. Right. Um, well, what 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 we did after going here was we um, <coughs> toured around to uh, we took a circular tour of the whole island. Um, you know, we rented a car and then uh, we went to several waterfalls. There were um, a couple of waterfalls that were, I mean, they were all sacred falls. The first one was Ludodunia, and that falls with, you know, tall and thin and beautiful and just, you know, very inspiring. And I think I might have a photo of that on here. Um, yeah. I don't, it's not as spectacular in the photo, believe me, as it is in person. But there's a little photo on our, our site there um, with me uh, leaning down, and um, I think I was gathering a little stone at the time. And then below that, the next waterfall um, is Kepero, which is the most photographed uh, waterfall on the island. It's that sort of triangular-looking one um, that looks like almost bridal veils um, in series. Amazingly beautiful. So we we thought, yeah, and big, and we swam there. It was fabulous. And all these places that we went to, we were like the only people there. It, this is not a crowded place. Yes, and the, and the people there basically. They're all about the. They're saying, "Oh, you gotta visit all the waterfalls, and you gotta, you know, they're very into these waterfalls." And you know, in a culture that underneath the, the uh, um, uh, you know, the veneer of, of the, you know, the Mormons and Baptists and whatnot who have come in there and tried to imprint their own spirituality on it, um, and they, the people kind of go underground with their own how they feel. But they, you know, they say, "Oh, you gotta go to the waterfalls and hang out with the trees and the rocks," and um, and they have this one particular waterfall that everybody said was the most spiritual and, you know, the most connecting. I would say not everybody, certain people. Certain people. Yeah. The Ponopeans have had, have had such a, uh, such a, uh, a series of, of bad experiences with uh, with uh, especially the Europeans in the Western world. They've had they had the Germans in there. They've had they had the uh, they they had the Yankee whalers. Of course, the Yankee whalers. Uh, uh, yeah, that's why you have uh, you know Maceo Maceo Hadley. Uh, Maceo is a, is a Micronesian Ponapean name, but Hadley uh, obviously is a whaler family, and and they had. Uh, they, they, then they even for a very short time they had the Confederates. They, they had the <laughs> the uh, uh, this Confederate uh, uh, commerce raider uh, uh, actually took over the island for a very short time during the war between the states. Uh, they and then of course the Japanese during World War Two and and uh, and then uh, then the uh, uh, we we took all of our battleships. Uh, the Japanese uh, the, the, the Japanese uh, flew 
a couple of seaplanes from Ponape over to Saipan and bombed the American base in Saipan after we took Saipan. And so uh, the Navy got so mad at them, the, uh, uh, they took about three battleships and, and, and flattened Colonia, just flattened it. And, wow. and uh, they've had, you know, the poor Ponapeans, they have had such a such a time, yeah. you know, with the missionaries and everything. And, and, and the smallpox killed off, you know, uh, European smallpox killed off so many of the islanders. It, it's it's, it's uh, astonishing uh, that they're still so friendly. They are. They're really friendly. Really, really friendly. And, and you know, I, in reading accounts of the bombing, uh, bombing campaign, um, they did note uh, in a number of places that, very few Pompeians actually uh, were killed in these bombings. I mean, it decimated the coast and city of uh, Colonia, as we call it a city. Um, it, you know, about eight blocks by eight blocks. Um, and, uh, but well, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Away, away from that, they were up in the mountains and, and away from any, any uh, development like that um, during the war. That Japanese kept them away a lot. Um, People were so well, friendly, warm, and giving. Um, impressive. impressive. We should, did you have a chance? Speaking of speaking, speaking, uh, speaking of being friendly, did you have a chance to have uh, to participate in a sakao ceremony? You know, we didn't do that. And I'll tell you, I got sick, like GI, you know, gastrointestinal sickness, like for a couple days towards the beginning and a couple days in the middle. And so I got, you know, I personally, I. The Sakao, they don't necessarily make that with, like, you know, filtered bottled water, if you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? No, and so no. my, my interest in, in drinking something that was almost 100% sure not to be made with bottled water was almost zero. I would say zero. If, if I hadn't gotten that illness, I, I would have for sure because I was really intrigued by that idea. But, um, you know, it's like I, I really believe that when you're making a pilgrimage, a, a sincere pilgrimage, if you're going to have success, you're going to wind up paying on some levels. It's not going to come cheap, free, or easy. There's always something you're paying the piper for. And, you know, I I paid with, like, GI distress, and it was very, very distressing staying up all night vomiting, basically. And, and John and, you know, Dylan, they got really super sunburned to the point where it was so painful that it was just like they could barely move. Yeah. So we paid, you know, to get this experience, which I haven't told you about yet. Yeah. And and what that okay. is is something that was not on any of the map, uh, but when those who when they kind of sensed where we were coming from, said, "Oh, well, maybe it's okay. We can take you to find this one waterfall that we all say is so wonderful, but it's not on any map." And so we arranged um, through personal connections that somebody was going to drive us down there and in his. Um, I guess you'd call it a taxi. Yeah. Um, and be our guide to get to this uh, waterfall. Which was unmarked. It's like there weren't road signs, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we turned on an unmarked road and then up several other unmarked roads. Eventually, um, after climbing one road that I was surprised. Yeah, yeah the wheels were spinning and whatnot. Um we got to the end of that and then started walking. and uh, On an unmarked trail, as usual. On an unmarked trail. There's no signs for this. And uh, at one point, this trail, because of the flood, got down to oh. about two and a half inches wide. Yes, that. And we're, we're going along with these little flip-flop or Zori-type, you know, sandals. And, you know, it's slippery because it's kind of raining on us. And so there we are trying to make our way across this actually very treacherous lack of a trail. And it goes down super steep down into it's like a cliff, you know, and you're going across it. And there's, you know, the trail just 
fell away. And so, but you know, we made it. You know, somehow and it was quite appropriate. And so finally, we make the make it this huge overhanging cliff, which has many many caves in it with bats, and bats are the only native mammals on the um, And they're um, and uh, and lots of swifts, you know, the birds. Um, flying in and out of these, and we get to it's an overhanging cliff, cliff, and so you're back behind the waterfall, and that's where these caves are. And then our our guide had you know taken a, a branch from uh, from some ferns and placed it on top of a quite large stack of like already like two, three feet tall. dried ferns and picked up the rock on top and put his little offering there and put the rock on top. So I, I, of course, followed his lead as it did Joe, and and um, we added our own. I guess there's a, a, a picture of that yeah. on uh, the Fairfarian website, and this was just, you know, you came and offered this to the deity, um, and. Uh, well, we found out later that that was it was to give you luck, but at the same time they also have a deity named L U H K. Luck. luck. So to say it's for luck, it, it's not 100% clear which kind of luck you're doing it for, but I mean, maybe it's both, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we uh, were offered, you know, you can stand under the waterfall if you'd like, and we were very interested in that. Um, we first, you know, there was some water dripping down in other places, ascended a somewhat treacherous area uh, to get to the bottom of where the main waterfall was coming down, and it was obvious this is where we were coming. To. Oh yeah, this was definitely the place, and it was treacherous. John actually fell on the rocks on his back. Fortunately, he wasn't, you know, severely injured. I mean, it, he broke skin, but it wasn't a severe injury. But um, it's just amazingly slippery um, rocks that you have to scramble over to get to this place. The name of it is called uh, Ponchakai Falls, and um, it um, comes down like a veil over the cliff, um, like over a hundred feet high. It comes down and as the water's like pouring down in this thin veil over a long area, it, it, like these different flowers are coming, spinning down. Hibiscus, Hibiscus flowers. flowers are spinning down through the air um, and sort of landing around you. So you feel like you're in some magical place that you're having these magical spinning flowers landing everywhere. Around you. And, um, and then the place it lands, and this is so special about it, the photo I have is called Lower Part of Conchakai Falls or Lady Falls. What I was told before we went there about this falls was that it's like she's like a lady. If she likes you, she will take you in and you will get wet. If she doesn't like you, she will put you away. Uh, let me interrupt you just a second because I remember you said uh, when we were, when we planned on doing this show that you, you were worried about attracting people, uh, too many people that go out to Ponape, uh and and, uh, and and you know. Uh, but let, let me uh, let me ask you this: every inch of that island, every single inch of that island, is owned by somebody. And everybody on that island has a title. That's one of the things the sound allures did. They were, they 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 made sure that everybody, or the non-Marquis did. They made sure everybody on the island had some kind of a title. 
And and when we were out there, we met the only guy on the island that didn't have a title, and everybody looked down on him. <laughs> but but they all had the uh, every inch of that island is owned, and so you have to get permission. You can't set foot off the road. If you parked a car and 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 and, and set foot, you know, and then you just can't park park the car and 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 take off into the woods. You can't do it. So how did that? Did, did you make arrangements for uh, you know to, well, to go on this? When we got oh, there. Um, when we when the car parked, the taxi driver parked. Um, a lady came up, and you know, and then she, you know, they talked briefly, and she went away. And I said to um, um, his our um, taxi driver, his name was Kibur. Um, I said to him, "Do we need to pay?" And he said, oh, "We'll work that out afterwards." I said, "Fine." So we expected to pay, and then um, so we went to, to this waterfall, which, as I say, was had the characteristics of a lady or a goddess. Right. If she likes you, she'll take you in, um, and if she doesn't, she'll push you away. Is what we were told. And, and there, there are flat floods that it rains so much on the interior of the island that it's fairly often that occurs that cause a flash flood in that comes down these waterfalls. That it could push you away. Yeah, it would definitely push you away. <laughs> and just even while we were there, the position of the water changed a bit as we were there. However, if you look at the photograph, you will see that there's these two large rocks, and what it doesn't really show too well in the rock, between the two rocks, there is a sort of a prominence, and it, to be honest, looks very much like a lady's private areas, right? This, it, you look like, it feels like you're looking at that. And um, so I believe that that's what was meant by being told that it was like a lady. And if she likes you, she'll take you in and, you know, you'll get wet. So, um, you know, it's a very sexual metaphor there. Um, but we realized there was no question in our minds that this was the place that we were meant to come to. We, it was the last day of our trip before we were flying out the next morning. And if we were ever going to get there, that would, had to be the day that we were going to get there. And it worked out. And it worked out perfectly. And, I mean, even though we went through basically some really hazardous stuff to get there, but it was fine because we felt high. We all had this thing like known as the geomantic tingle. You know, you have this feeling in your body of kind of vibration or, you know, kind of this tingling feeling and a kind of a high feeling. Every one of us had it. And, um, you know, like a giggle almost. And it was just from being there, and we all, you know, were getting poured down by on the rain. It was the water from the waterfall was pouring down all over us. You know, there was no getting away from it. It was fine. And we were so – it was great. Yeah, and we made appropriate paraphernalia. Oh, yeah, we did the yeah. Cory blessing. We did that at the tree as well. And we set up the ray. We took our, um, our compass with us, and we identified exactly what direction it was going to be to, relative to our hands. We put our rocks there that we had brought from our hands and from um, our friend Margot's hands, and we placed those rocks at the bottom of that little waterfall right in the place where you would want to place them. And it was it felt super powerful. It felt like, you know, a place that you definitely want to connect to. So it felt really successful. And so, you know, then we, unfortunately, like, well, I, as I said, at the moment, I was like, I don't want it to be over. I don't want to leave. But you know, we did after, you know, after a while we had to leave and um and so we made our way out and then we got back to the where the car was parked and the lady comes out with her, you know, wad of, you know, dollar bills in her hand, clearly expecting to get paid, and then she talked in Panapan to um our um guide and um and they kinda laughed and then she went away. And and I said to him, Oh, I thought we were gonna pay and he goes, Oh, it's fine. And I realized that he real he completely got that we were there on a pilgrimage, and that's why we didn't have to pay. 
Yeah, did you, did you, uh, you, you let, let, let's talk about where you stayed and, and your hotel situation, because, of course, uh, when I was out there, the village was the, was the place to stay, and, of course, the village isn't there anymore, uh, but, uh, but you, you, you found a, a beautiful hotel on the, on the, on the shore, on, uh, with a, with a view, and it sounds somewhat like the village, would you want to talk about that, and, yeah, it's it's. I, I wish the village had still been there um, because, believe me, we would have stayed there. I've seen photos of it, and it looks fabulous. But uh, but it's gone. We stayed at a place called the Mangrove Bay Hotel. Um, but also at Seven Stars. Well, we stayed Seven Stars first in the downtown area. Um, but the place that you're referring to with a view was right on the bay. And now it was nice. You know, the rooms are kind of small, but it was quite nice and very clean and air conditioned, and you know, coffee in the morning, that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, really quite lovely. I think yeah. it's the nicest place on the island. Yeah, today. I think economically what drives that place is um, it's Pompeii is, well, the diving is, uh, and the surfing is and also world class. That You know, the Kelly Slater type surfers um, show up in oh, the Oh, it's, it's great for And they tend it's to congregate around this area. So, you know, that yeah, kind of it's drives great for water sports. Uh, especially, yeah. especially scuba diving and and uh, and and uh, the. Uh, but I tell you one thing, it's not good for, and that's sailing. There are so many coral heads in that. Uh, I don't know whether you had the experience of of, of the of the sampans with the with the fifty five horse Johnson outboards, <laughs> and they go they go flying around that. That they're up on a plane all the time, uh, you know, doing about doing about thirty knots in and out of those coral heads and 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 you know why and of course. Occasionally, somebody, uh, especially after they've had too, too much uh, Sakao and, and, and Budweiser, hits one of those coral heads, and boy, uh, they they. But but so it, it's wonderful for water sports. But uh, uh, I and I, uh, as I said, we're we're, we're probably going to encourage some people uh, to visit Pompeii, and and I and I, I think that that that's that, that's okay if they they go there in the right spirit and 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 all. Uh, but. Hard to get there, what? but the snorkeling is excellent. The snorkeling is excellent. The the reefs and we did go snorkeling. The reefs have um about ten percent die off, but compared to most reefs, they're doing quite well, and they were very beautiful. We really enjoyed that. It was great. Well, I we we went out to the far reef, you know, out the out the way way out past the uh, out to the, out to the, the 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 deep reef, and there's a lot of dead coral out there. It's kind of sad, and then you know it's just just white. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's real sad. Um, yeah. and, 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 uh, unfortunately, a lot of times the actual sunscreen that people wear is what's killing a lot of the coral. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, like did, you, did you did you did you get a chance to eat it? Did you get a chance to eat a crab while you were there? Did you have a crab? Did you have a crab for for dinner? Oh yeah, we had well, we had oh, a lot yeah. of sushi. Have a lot so of sushi. I mean that the, the uh, actually what I tell you I tell you a good story on those crabs. Those, those crabs are wonderful, but 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 uh, when, when one of the first things I did when I got out there was got in touch with the local archaeologist, and 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 I invited him to dinner to dinner with us out of the village. And uh, Russell and he said, "Okay." He said, "I'll come to dinner. I'll, I'll, I'll come to dinner, but don't ask me to eat a crab." And, and I <laughs> said, "Well, why?" And he said, "I lived out on Nan the Dole in a tent for for a whole year, and that's all I ate was those damn crabs." <laughs> <laughs> but they are delicious. Well, they are. 
I'd, I'd love very much to hear some more of your stories, Poke, and also your other guest stories. That what? I'd, lo- I'd love to hear yeah. some of your stories of your travels there well, and also of your other guests. I, okay, I think, but let's, 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 talk, let, let's talk to Mark a little bit. And, and let him, and he, now, let me tell you something about Mark before he comes on. Mark was a quadge, and a quadge was is, 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 is an American engineer from Kwajalein. And that's what oh, they right. call them quads. They call them quadges. Uh And a quad could quadges quadges have took liberty and uh, out on on and on Panape. And of course, Mark being a scuba diver, that's that's one of the few advantages of being a, a Star Wars quads because that's the you know Quadrilane is where we had the Star Wars project and 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 so the quadges went over to went over to Ponape and of course they 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 they, uh, they had they had plenty of money so of course uh, the the uh, the Ponape they were good for the economy but uh anyway uh so Dr. X was a quad and and uh, and uh, and uh, he got a chance to to do some scuba diving in February off the breakwater, uh, uh, you know, looking down on kind of on where Conamuiso was if we could get deep enough. And uh, Doctor X, you wanna you wanna talk about that with us and then and talk about your your uh, your time over in Pontypey? Sure. Um, about the best I can remember that being something like 20 years ago, is uh, we flew in. To, uh, the original trip was to go to Quadrilene, where I had worked 20 years before that in 1969, or 68, sorry. And uh, that we did. Quadrilene is a very interesting place, as you pointed out. It's the far end of the Pacific Missile Testing Range, and we used to sit out there and take pictures of missiles that were coming in and landed in the lagoon, or, well, crashed, whatever. <laughs> uh, from there, then, on this trip in 1998, we went up to Kusrai, and uh, there's some interesting ruins there, and then on to Pompeii, which is uh, where the Souter Lures were, and uh, at Nan Madal. It was a very interesting trip. Um, I, I didn't have as much background on it as you do. Uh, I really didn't know what all was there until I got there. So we uh, went with a tour, and which we were the only two people, <laughs> which was kind of cool in many respects. Uh, we, we went down uh, to see the uh, the Nanmadal ruins, and we dove in a couple of places along the way. And that's about all I can remember, except that the, the diving there was kind of strange, because below 30 feet, it was uh, so much silt, you couldn't see anything. So the stories of something existing at 100 feet or more, uh, I don't know how anybody would, would ever know, short of sonar. But <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't see anything really exciting, a couple of caves. Uh, things of that nature. Well, uh, uh, the, 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 the Russell, Russell showed me a black and white photograph of a pillar, a very square pillar, and, and I, I looked at it and I said, Russell, I said, this looks like a pillar from a, from a modern bridge. And he said, yeah, it does, but, but it was taken, it was taken off the breakwater and on, but it was real deep. Uh, and, and then uh, Russell also told me about an Australian, uh, a bunch of Australian guys that went over there and did a video, an uh, underwater video on, on the Kalamuisa or underwater film. Uh, and uh, and uh, they, they, then, then just, just recently, I uh, talked to Gordon White, the, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, 
uh, Australian-British writer, uh, and and he apparently when he was a kid he was on that expedition, and I and I said, well, Gordon, do you have it? Do you have that that uh, that that video uh, that Russell was talking about? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I have it, but, but I can't release it because it's proprietary, you know. So we still so there are apparently. Uh, and 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 if Gordon listens to this, uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to trying to, uh, to coax Gordon into releasing that material. But let's say right now, I'm, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read uh, uh, Peter Arthur's account of of his uh, of uh, Maceo Hadley, the last Chimero story about Non Madol and how it came about. And this is, and Peter Arthur, by the way, is the son of of of, 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 of Arthur, who uh, who owned the village, who was the owner and manager of the village, which is no longer there. Uh, but uh, uh, Peter grew up on on Bonapay and 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 was trying as you know with his sort of apprenticeship to Maceo, he he was trying to preserve the uh, the tradition. So this this is uh this is Peter Arthur uh, recounting Maceo here. Two brothers named Olasifa and Olasofa started Nan Madol. Nobody knows where they came from, but they arrived from the west and were accompanied by ten or more crew members in a large sailing canoe or perhaps a small ship. And Maceo looks back to see if I'm listening. And then, satisfied that he has my attention, he returns to coaxing our boat. And they're going up the canal, you know, toward Don Duas. Um, coaxing uh, our boat and telling me the story. Under normal circumstances, they would have been attacked by the aggressive warriors upon it, but. Through the use of magical powers, the brothers were able to speak the local language and were allowed to land. And they were young men in their early 20s and were said to have had brown skin and black hair, making them very similar to the people of Ponape. And at the time, Ponape was being governed by the Kowan and Kanek a body consisting of the eldest men and men of each clan. Olosofa and Olosipa uh, presented a plan for a single leader uh, to the Ponopeans, uh, designated to eliminate the disorganization that resulted when the elders uh, would try to work together. And they proposed construction of a place where the leader would be blessed uh, in, in the, uh, the Nanasafo ceremony and would make his home complete with all the necessary means by which he could rule Ponape properly. And the city was to be built out on the water, they explained. And the first reason of major concern was that this was the sacred eel named Nansamol. In those times, the people of Ponape believed that there was a god high in the sky, and Nansamol was his figure here on earth. Therefore, any sacred place would have to be on the water so that Nansamo could survive there. Another thing they considered was the safety of the future leader since attacks from rival neighboring islands were frequent, Kosarai, of course. And from um, the vantage point of the reef, approaching enemies could be seen, and the defenders would have the advantage of being on dry land. And Masao had directed our boat toward the uh, shady spot in the channel, uh, and he continues talking while we catch our breath. The brothers were very brave 
to try and start such a project here because many people didn't believe it could be done. He smiles and points to one of the huge islands in the channel. They were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, just, just a minute. I'm, I'm turning the page in this old manuscript here. Uh, uh, undaunted and shown, uh, they, and shown to the people of Pontepay toward their project, the brothers, along with their own people and a handful of followers, began stacking rocks from a large quarry site on the reef of Sokens Island. And the effort was soon abandoned because of strong waves and current action in the area, and three more attempts were given uh, for the same reason. But by then, support for the project had grown, and many of the Kuan and Connect were sending members of their clans to join the workforce. The old man's hands began to shake ever so slightly as we as we start these trips to Nanmadol. An uncomfortable sign of, of excitement. He laughs when I when I ask him about it, and he explains. We are two of the handful of people left on Earth that know what really happened here and why, and, and to know such things is truly an exciting honor and one hard to contain. As before, every previous attempt, the brothers climbed one... Now, this is, this, is, this is where it gets really interesting. As before, every previous attempt, the brothers climbed one of the steep mountains of Ponape to look out upon the reefs and pick a suitable spot for construction. From the summit of Pelahap Mountain, they looked out toward what is what is now known as, as Nampa Harbor and saw what appeared to be a stone stairway leading down into the deep waters. They had been in Ponape long enough to know that they were seeing and recognizing the stairway as the entrance to the legendary underwater city of the gods named Kanamuiso. There you have it. That, now, that, that, uh, the city was said to have been built and inhabited by the gods and spirits that roamed the earth. To build so close to such a place would surely mean the success and safety uh, from their enemies. For the last time, and now accompanied by a huge following of Panapeans, the brothers began construction of what was to eventually become Nanmado. All right, that's the, that's the story, and that's the legend of Kanamuiso and Nansamo. The, uh, uh, and and I, I don't know, uh, one of the, the Nansamo is obviously a constellation. Could be Hydra. Uh, but it's 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 it, uh, you know not Nanmadol is right on the equator, so so it could be a southern constellation, and or or it could be a uh, it could be a, a northern constellation. Interesting thing for us to figure out is what 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 is the constellation of Nansamol, and uh, and anyway, and that's the story of of, of Kanamuiso now. Uh, I don't know whether anybody on the connected with the National Geographic Channel or the History Channel is listening to this podcast, but uh, one of our listeners should. Uh, if any one of our listeners uh, knows anybody or has any contact with the National Geographic Society or or the History Channel, History Channel is is, is, is redoing the uh, the old In Search of show, and they've got the new guy playing Spock. You know, Leonard Nimoy used to do that. So they got the new Spock hosting the uh, hosting the uh, uh, the new in search of. Now I want to see 
uh, this is for them. I can't do it. I'm I, I'm 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 too old to do it, and so is Doctor X, and 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 uh, and I don't know about Gordon. Gordon's still young enough, but but somebody's got to do a mixed gas dive right off the breakwater, right where where we where where you know. Uh, Mark, Dr. X got down about, uh, and Marlene, they got down about 80 feet. And we have some of that footage uh, right on the right, right on the edge, edge. We have some of that footage in Beyond Lemuria. And, and be sure to get the second edition of Beyond Lemuria, uh, this DVD. Uh, and you'll also see the vault and on the goal, you'll see Nandawas, and you'll see uh, just a glimpse of the upper the, the upper part of Granamuisa, we think. Anyway, uh, but... But I'm challenging right now. Yes, what? I want to just mention, and this corroborates what you're saying, that when we were there at Nandawa, the young man who took our money, whom you identified as being the now grown-up son of the king whom you met earlier, he, we talked with him for quite a while, and he was very friendly and forthcoming. And he, he said, he described that sunken city to us as well. And he said, if I remember correctly, he said it was 200 feet down. Is that right, John? Yeah. At about 200 feet. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was with some divers who also were operating. So. Seems like well, a, a number of people that it's, are a little out of range. But it, it's yeah. down there. Look, it's down there, but it's a mixed gas dive. And, and if anybody, yeah, if anybody listening knows about that, uh, that is more dangerous. That that the mixed gas dive is more dangerous than what those what those guys did getting those kids out of that cave in in uh, in, in Thailand. If you think that was dangerous, a mixed gas dive 250 feet down on, off that breakwater. And Mark is right; it's dirty. It's only one time during the year, February, for just a, just a few weeks in February when the water is clear enough off that off that breakwater that, that I would that, that it couldn't be attempted. And then, uh, and but I'm I'm delivering the challenge right now. You know, let's have the National Geographic and, and, and or the History Channel, either one or the other. Yeah, and you guys pay for it. Find the divers to do it and get the camera equipment. Get down there and let's take a, have a look at Kanamuiso. I think it'll it'll be just as sensational as as uh, Godeki Tepe, frankly. Uh, once we find it, and. Uh, yeah, what, uh, 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 Mark, uh, you know, as I say, we got, we got your footage down 80 feet off of breakwater, down, uh, down at 80 feet. Uh, and, uh, I got to admit that, 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 that what looks like the, the same decoration on the, you know, uh, when I, the same, the, that, 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 uh, corbel sticking out of that wall, that could be a fallen. That that could be could be a fallen uh, um, basalt pillar. Because some of the you know, uh, granted, they, according to another one of the legends that we didn't that we didn't mention was that um, uh, the, the 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 pillars that the the, the the basalt pillars that built on Madol were quarried from Sokin's Rock up on the north end of the island. That's where they got them, and, yeah. and uh, they. Probably floated them down, down, down to Nanmadol, down to Metalletium with the uh, on rafts. They probably did, but uh, and some of them, you know, and, and, and obviously some of them fall fell off the rafts. So that that what what, what looks like a corbel. I said, okay, now here we are down 80 feet, and we got what looks like a corbel on the edge of this wall, and it's the same motif as we have up up on uh, Nandawas on the surface. And I showed it, 
but it could be a fallen. It could be a, it, you know, to be honest, it, it could be a fallen, uh, uh, you know, uh, a basketball pillar. Uh, but uh, still, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's quite interesting. However, uh, 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 Mark, the, the water was fairly clear at 80 feet, though, wasn't it? Well, I remember around 30 or 40 feet. I don't recall going to 80 feet, but uh, where we were at the time, it was very clear. That was about 40 feet. If you went down farther, it got a little bit good. Yeah, it got um, pretty murky. <laughs> very murky. You could hardly see. One of the things that would be helpful if uh, anybody knows someone who has it is uh, running a side scan sonar over that area. You wouldn't huh. have to risk anything by deep dive, and you could see pretty much what is there, even below the silt. That'd be interesting. Well, we've we've given the challenge, and so uh, so let's uh, let let's let's have somebody somebody get down there and 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 and, and get the evidence and, and and show it to us. Anyway. I want to I want to thank you, Lady uh, Joe and John, and I want to thank you, uh, uh, Mark. And, and did Marlene ever show up? She's right here. Oh, Marlene, say hello. Hi, Poke. Hi, hi. You were. I just want to mention now that you're on that that you're uh, that we we got you on film underwater too. You know, off on Mattel, and and. Uh, and uh, so, so everybody, uh, everybody get a get a copy of Beyond Lemuria Second Edition DVD, and you can see, uh, and you can see uh, Non Mado, and you can see the vault, and you can see uh, Mark and Marlene underwater, and and, uh, <laughs> and and then get over to the Ferrifarian website and take a look at that. What Joe, give us the Ferrifarian website again. Sure, um, it's the Ferrifaria.org, and I'll spell it F-E-R-A. F-E-R-I-A dot O-R-G. And then if you just go to the uh, main page and down in the middle of the main page, it says latest edition. Click on the first item there where it says, um, I think the title of it is our, our pilgrimage to uh, uh, seek ma- ma- magic in Sonopec. And that'll just click on it. It'll take you right to where all the photos are. That's great. Okay, well, this this concludes the uh, uh, what we might call the Don Madol Symposium, uh, and uh, next week the Hermetic Hour will be back with another show. Uh, uh, and uh, until then, I'll thanks 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 all of you for for joining in and and uh, and uh, good magic, and we'll see you all next week. Bye bye. Thanks for having us, folks. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye bye. Bye.